the the comparison between addiction and um, being an artist, because with an addiction you get like a little bit of positive reinforcement and then a lot of negative reinforcement <laughs> and you're just like you just go through the negative you're like I'm gonna get through this negative because I'm good it's gonna feel good at the end or the other way around and with art it's the same thing like it's an addiction like you're just like I'm okay with like suffering and being miserable and being broke and getting rejected and all the things that come with being a filmmaker and then you know at, in between all that there's a little moments of joy and some of them are not when it's complete some of them are just when you're doing it. Welcome back to Nothing Shines Like Dirt, empowering actors to create episode 11. I'm Leslie Shannon. And I'm Elise Siebert. Today we are speaking to director, writer, and editor Batsheva Gez. We mull over the addiction of art. Her short film, Behind the Wall, featured at two film festivals this weekend, the Lighthouse International Film Festival and the Art of Brooklyn Film Festival. And being a precocious, persistent prodigy. Yeah, I tend to obsess over time. Sometimes I feel like a rat on a tre- treadmill, you know? Because oh, yeah. as, as an independent filmmaker, you're just like doing everything yourself. Like yes. everything. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then you just think, <laughs> if I run a little faster, if I work a little harder, harder. I will move forward. And... Um, I know it's probably better to like hire people to help you and sometimes you just don't have the budget and so you're doing everything. So I tend to like think about my day even in like half hour chunks. Like I'll I'll decide like is it worth that extra half an hour to go to this place or I could use that half an hour mm-hmm. for myself. Mm-hmm. I could get very like mm-hmm. precious with my with time. Your time. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a good thing. I have, um, I've seen this quote before. It's something about like, Time is the one thing that you cannot get back. So be right. so be um, wary with how you use it, or be um, not wary. Oh, just like think about how you use your time yeah. because you can't get it back. And it's like kind of it can be a good way to think of it, and it can also be <laughs> a horrible, very horrible way to well, think about it. Yeah. There's so many things that can just like draw you in and waste your time like mindless yeah. tv or our phones or you know there's yeah. things like it's like They're, having that awareness always like what am i really doing right now is this right it worth, is this worth the time well i yeah. think i think that's the way i like to think about it is instead of using it as something that can be taken in a negative connotation using it instead as something as a as a salt a tool of self-reminder to just say okay do I really need to be doing this? Is right. it worth me spending, yeah, that amount of time? I read this quote. I think it was Woody Allen who said that the filmmakers that succeed are the ones that can manage their time, mm. like that don't get sidetracked <laughs> by all the different things that are out there to sidetrack you, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like it just increases. I feel like the the distractions 20 years ago are not near the volume and magnitude that the distractions right. are now. Like, honestly, just yeah. having a phone in front of you with, like, all of the different things happening I work so hard to, like, turn off every notification. Like, if somebody texts me during the workday, I get irritated, you know, because it's so <laughs> – it's really hard because if you're getting in a flow and then something pops up and the next thing you know, like – you just feel like the world is trying to make you ADD and you can't just do the one thing. So I tend to work really hard to try to, this like notification lifestyle that we live in. Oh, yeah. Like, 
the only thing that pops up on my phone is my text messages. And if I get too many, like I'll sometimes I'll just like delete them, just sort of or just like turn the ringer off and oh. the vibrator off and like flip the phone over and be yeah. like, <laughs> do not disturb is an amazing feature. Yeah. Wait, what is that? You what? You don't know what do no. not disturb is? Are you <laughs> on your kidding iPhone? me? Yes. So you pull up from the bottom. See, we're giving you guys oh really gosh. step-by-step you ways still. to simplify your life. <laughs> um, I don't usually like the anti-technology like technology person, but um, yeah, there's a little moon that you can put on. Uh. And so unless someone, it's a great, I, Brandon and I have it on at night so that if people call or text or do whatever, you'll still be able, you'll still get it through. It's not like it's airplane mode, so it doesn't come through. It still comes through. But unless someone calls you two times in a row, it doesn't ring. Hmm. So then it's only if it's an emergency does, does, do you get the notification? Yeah. Do not disturb. It's the little moon. And you can set a time frame for it too. So I I never even noticed there was a moon on the phone. I tried to (laughs) use it one. I'm able to help with that small little (laughs) nugget of wisdom. I tried to use it once for the first time last week. I was really stressed out about something. I was like, I'm going to do just 10 minutes of meditation. You know, the meditation app with like the lady like talking at you. Mm-hmm. Like, think about your toes or whatever bullshit thing. And um, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to turn on, you know, I was really stressed about a job. So I'm going to turn on Do Not Disturb. I'm going to spend 10 minutes just like being. And then like two minutes later, my phone rang and I like, like jumped a mile because I wasn't expecting it. it was my mother <laughs> I didn't realize that like the favorites were allowed to go through like I had it set so it just like it, oh yeah I guess it, uh, are there startled me a lot are there different levels of like setting it I guess yeah you can set it so that your top favorite people that call you like the important people uh-huh. can get through and, and um, regardless yeah and I didn't realize that so, so I was like not expecting a phone meditation and this yeah. like blaring phone ring yeah it's like your mom is calling we were talking about how parents always call it the like most inopportune yeah times. it's true it's funny yeah I like there's an ad that was perfect about that that's like a guy he's like fighting crime his mm-hmm. mother calls oh yeah <laughs> it's, like, Geico. Really? it's Geico yeah yeah it was like brilliant it was yeah. really good it's hilarious yeah because he's like I know exactly which one you're talking about he's, she's like well the squirrels are back again yeah. <laughs> oh those Geico yeah. commercials <laughs> they're so funny they they, they crack my they shit do up a good I can't job. handle yeah. it I'm like yes good copywriting so I know yeah. no joke um they've got a good team on that for sure um geico if you want to sponsor us you can um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um how did you how did you get into filmmaking was it was it writing was it directing like what was your path getting into making films? um i guess for me it started super young my father actually was one of the first independent filmmakers in israel in 1973 he like completely shot and directed and produced and edited. I didn't think he edited the first, but um, this like feature film that's like a horror thriller. Wow. Um, oh all by himself. It's like crazy. So he was always like, we always had cameras in the house and like he was always really gung ho about that sort of thing. He got out of the business because we were living in Massachusetts at the, you know, when we moved from Israel to the States. Mm-hmm. And there's in the 80s, there was like no film industry in Boston. I mean, I hope that's true. But well, it was, it was, it it was like. so much harder to make stuff. Like, our generation is very right. fortunate. We can pick up an iPhone. Right. We can, you know. Have a camera and get together. Like, there's so many things you can do just through networking. And um, exactly, it's just a different world. It's a totally different world. So I was, like, 10 times harder then. And then my mother's background, she um, – 
before she got into social work and hospital management stuff, she was doing a lot of theater. So we just had a very like actor director sort of vibe in our household and i used to put on plays in the basement when i was like a kid and but i would be like very severe about it like like, we have to rehearse every day for like six weeks and half the time my friends would quit (laughs) you know like what are you (laughs) you're a budding director yeah i was like that's not good enough we're doing it again you know um so amazing and then i realized that you could you know, you had a better shot at getting your friends to stick around if you're shooting a film because oh. you could just, when you got the take, which is actually not that true because I would still, you know, I was like, we're going to make a feature. And then like, you know, 10 minutes worth of footage we shot and my friends were like, this is a lot of work. And, and <laughs> dropped out. Um, that's when you pull like anything that's good is a lot of work like that yeah. that was like it, you're cracking up because that was totally me as a kid i'm like we can do this see i wish i was Stick friends with you it. as I a know. kid because we would make good stuff we would have yeah. made great stuff yeah for sure <laughs> determined little burgers yeah, yeah exactly well you know just precocious well yeah precocious young I women i remember that even like i took anything I did in art so seriously and not oh, everyone yeah. does yeah. a lot of people do it for fun and, right. and it, it would so make you mad frustrating yeah yeah it's, it's really, really frustrating you feel very alone yeah when you don't have anyone that cares as much as you care mm-hmm. and I remember just being brokenhearted you know Aww. like we put one play together that was amazing and I was like, we had like programs and like set design. And I love all this. this. I love And this. then I was like, let's do it again. And we couldn't get like the momentum of people to, you know, or like the feature film, like in high school, you're like, we're going to do this. And then you can't, I had, all, had only shot the footage of her like walking places because it was the easiest stuff. Mm-hmm. So I cut this montage to music of just like my lead character, like walking around because it's like all we had. <laughs> Uh, and then she was over the acting she was like this is you know how many weekends are we going to be doing this and I was like oh like a lot of them and we had done like three (laughs) you know I always my sister I have a sister that's 11 years old Mm -hmm. the big age gap but um she's very artistic and I'm always like what are you doing this summer like are you you know gonna do a play are you gonna you know take dance class whatever and this year she was like I'm just going to be a kid this summer. I'm not doing anything. And and me, like, being that determined yeah. person, mm-hmm. I'm like, you should be doing Make stuff. Something. Yeah. yeah. But oh some gosh. people just want to have their it's weekends fine. and... I know. I mean, I can, I can understand that some days. There are days when I'm like, I've had, like, you know, a couple of months of nonstop going, 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 where you just don't feel like you have any time to yourself. And mm-hmm. then, because you're always working, that you're like, man... Why could I not enjoy like accounting? Um, I, yeah. I think about yeah. that. Like, I want to come back as a cat, you know? <laughs> and like, my agenda is going to be like nap time and dinner. Yeah. <laughs> that is a really great agenda. She would get along with Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she would get along with Charlotte. That's awesome. Funny. So, yeah. you started at a very young age. Yeah, I started pretty young and then um, knew that I wanted to do. I was like either theater or film and kind of chose film towards the end of high school and then went to college, um, specifically chose, you know, a program that had a a good film program. So I went to Vassar and I was trying to decide if I wanted to do NYU or Vassar. And I chose Vassar because it um, it wasn't 100 percent film. And I liked the idea of like learning other stuff like I am a liberal arts person that makes you a better artist I think exactly I I think the more knowledge you can get in any area we've talked about that a lot of times on here about how important it is to really expand your knowledge and your 
just your your vision to other things than just the arts because if you just stay in them and you don't do anything outside of just your like really pinpoint um degree then you have less life life experience it's true and i feel like the thing that i love the most because i am a liberal arts person at heart and what i love the most about film is there's no piece of knowledge that you could learn that's not going to help you be a better filmmaker like mm-hmm. you could study you know quantum physics and like there's a lot of things that are actually applicable to like film projects that you could do so that's part of just what makes me so excited because like i couldn't anything i read is going to help me be a better director yeah isn't isn't one of the 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 one of the actresses on oh that tv show <laughs> that one tv that show one TV show. it's on tbs with the the nerd all the like quote-unquote nerds the um i can't think what it's the called. comedy one yes that, um, um oh my gosh the <laughs> big bang theory. the big bang theory thank that, you yeah. yes the lead uh, actor she runs on tbs isn't it a CBS yeah. show maybe it is yeah, i don't I know so. don't this isn't a fact-checking <laughs> podcast all right don't don't write on my parade um uh yeah i think she's some sort of scientist like actually in real, in real life. life. Yeah. Oh, that's that's cool. what I she has a degree in. She has her doctorate, I think. That's, that's awesome. Pretty kick ass. Yeah. Well, especially because she's a lady scientist too. Yeah. Yes. Women power. Women power. So how was so was school what you expected or was it like how was your school how was your um, liberal you know, arts experience? I can't really remember what my expectations are actually. <laughs> I realized that I was like I did have a wonderful time, good. and I'm still really good friends with my friends from school. We all, a lot of us still live in the city, um, so yeah, it was very like a formative experience for sure. But in terms of the film production side, um, I find that I still learn the most just making films mm-hmm. as opposed to in a classroom. And when I tried to make a film, I learned the lesson really on you try to make a film to get an A or to make the teacher like it. Like it's never going to be good, and if you just make it for yourself then it will be more true and, you know, it will be better. So I ended up making a lot of films in addition to what I made for class when I was there and, you know, ran the TV club so I could get access to the cameras and everything like that. And um, That's super smart. Yeah, yeah. it was good, right? Because they don't let you have a camera. You know, they don't let you do production for a couple of years. That's mostly theory. And I was like, screw that. So I, like, you know, became president <laughs> of the TV club so that I could get access to some cameras and just, like, keep making stuff. Um, so yeah, it was really good. It was a good time. And everybody there like just had that same kind of drive and passion and were like, let's suffer. Let's make something. <laughs> That's such you an know? artist thing too. Should be a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> let's make something. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Let's make it. Yeah. Done. Except for not be done. On that our, takes a lot of website. time. Yeah. I know we, Elisa and I are really good. I don't know if you have this experience as well. Like your, your creative brain, it just like goes and it has all these great ideas and you love them and you like try to make them come to fruition and you're like, oh my God. Why do I keep giving myself so much work? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're like you're like this is great. I'm so, and when you're done, you're so glad you've done it. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like in the process, especially when you're like in that midway point. You're like, why did I do this yeah. to myself? <laughs> Just suffering. I was actually thinking my boyfriend and I were talking about this a little bit of like the the comparison between addiction and um, being an artist. Oh, because with an addiction, you get like a little bit of positive reinforcement and then a lot of negative reinforcement. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, you just go through the negative. You're like, I'm going to get through this negative because I'm good. It's going to feel good at the end or the other way around. 
and with art it's the same thing like it's an addiction like you're just like i'm okay with like suffering and being miserable and being broke and getting rejected and all the things that come with being a filmmaker and then you know at in between all that there's a little moments of joy and some of them are not when it's complete some of them are just when you're doing it and you're like mm -hmm. oh my god look what we're doing you know um but yeah, you have to be like a little bit of a masochist or <laughs> for sure. You know, that's for sure. a really great. So. I've never thought about that before, but what a wonderfully poignant like comparison. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just think of the people that I admire that who have made it in the business and who are no longer broke and no longer like maybe suffering suffering in a different way. Yeah. And they're always busy and they're always working and they have their hands in five different pots at the same time and you know so when I see people on our level doing that, it's inspiring because that's yeah. how it works. Is right. You just have to no, work. You have yeah. to get to work. Oh, sorry. No, I get, am I eating no, that mic I'm a little bit? <laughs> I'm trying to bring it up to you. <laughs> I like that's the thing. It's like that's the only bad thing about when you're doing the sound too. Is I'm like, I'm like let's just make sure that that's good too. <laughs> I know you need you need like a yeah. Yeah, my my husband. That's why he can't he can't yeah. take off work every time we do a podcast <laughs> yeah. as much as he would love to. I'm yes. sure. Yeah, the director in me is like can hear that my volume is fluctuating. Like I'm talking really soft and then really loud, and I was like, I hope I'm not peaking. No, oh, <laughs> you're fine. Yeah, don't okay. you worry about it, lady. That's what you we're can for. Take this is director <laughs> brain off yeah, today. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you can. It's that's the thing though is it's hard to fully take any part of that out. Right. Of yeah. Your personality. <laughs> So do you think you, like, your dreams, your big goals, do you think you'll live in the independent world? Or is there something about mainstream or feature films? Like, where, I don't know, where do you see yourself in um, 10 years? Or yeah, interesting question, because I was asking myself that recently. Because the type of films that I make are not, they're kind of in the land between super indie and mainstream. They have a lot of just... I know how to describe it. There's just like a lot of production design and a lot of building of magical worlds and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like there's a place, like I think of like Guillermo del Toro, like he's sort oh, of yeah. in this place that's like between, like he does a lot of mainstream, but he's sort of respected in the indie scenes and they sort of see him as like an auteur that you can invest in that's worthy of the investment. And that's sort of where I see myself. So I'm doing these making feature films that are have a sustainable budget where we're not just it's not just two people in a room talking but there is like we are building like a universe and um the feature film that i'm currently in financing phases for is a magical realism film that has a lot of like indie attributes um you know it is very character driven there's a small number of characters um, but at the same time it is magical realism so there's like a woman that harvests the fairies that live in the tree in her backyard and she eats them and becomes young and dances, <laughs> you know? And so there's just like, you know, there's stuff, there's magic, there's, there's a universe that we're building. Um, so, so yeah, it's not entirely, it's not like super, super indie. It's kind of in, 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 the, this, yeah, in, right in the middle. Well, there's so many of those like fairy tale-esque of creating these, these really beautiful, the costumes and the, the whole production of it. Is yeah, just the scenery, really the cinematography. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, even like Lord of the Rings or something where there's so many details or a TV show, Game of Thrones, like the right. costumes, oh the right. details in that show. 
really make that world come to life in a very specific way. Right. right. So finding a way to do that in an indie world or in on an indie budget is always... It's always challenging. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you find so. a lot of quick fix. So that's one of the things. So what is one of the... One of, what is one of your proud indie moments as far as like something you've done that was like some sort of quick fix or not even quick fix, but like... <sighs> A time when you were like, I don't know how I'm going to get this shot, but you figured out a way to do it that was <laughs> that was a way that you weren't having to like have a helicopter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 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 yeah. <laughs> that, um, I'm, I'm trying to get there, but clearly my tired brain is like, no, I, I get what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking language. Speaking is so hard. <laughs> it's really good that we have a podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, so off the top of my head, I can think of one. Yes. Um, Tell us about it's not, it. It's not like, I was really excited about it at the time, but I had this idea that, um, you know, of certain shots for my short film behind the wall where I, you know, this is a film that's a hybrid between a narrative film and a dance film. I'm trying a lot of new things and all the ideas that I had involved the moving camera elements. And I sat down with my amazing cinematographer, Giacomo Belletti, and, um, you know, had this like wonderful time in his kitchen where he like smoked cigarettes and drank ta- Italian coffee and like <laughs> did our shot list. And I was like, this is amazing. But um, I was talking about the sh- specific shot that I wanted where she, this um, young dancer is in bed at night and she hears crazy sounds through the wall and goes around the room to sort of investigate. And I wanted to be all one shot moving camera that sort of changes like elevation as it does. And I was like, oh, we'll do it on a dolly or we'll do it on a jib. And the dolly and the jib that we could afford is like a Dana dolly, which is super low budget, and a porta jib, which is like a tiny little portable jib arm that's like very short. Again, like not super expensive tools. And normally those two things can't be put together. Like you can't put your jib arm on a dolly. And Giacomo found a way to do it. <laughs> magic. He like looked on Movie YouTube magic. and he was like, I don't know if this is possible. And we got on set and I was like, really nervous that something was going to break. And I was like, let's not do it. Let's not do it. He's like, no, no, we'll do it. We'll do it. And like he did it. And we got this like amazing shot of this, you know, tracking with this girl and elevating up as she gets out of the bed and jib arm down as she looks through this crack in the wall by the floor. And we just did it all in one one shot and one shot. And it was glorious. And I just had one of those moments, those little like bubbles of joy. Mm -hmm. You're like, this is why I do this. (laughs) That's so great. I love to hear about that kind of stuff because I feel like everyone has had that moment where you've been on set and you're like, oh man, I really want to get this shot, but I have no idea how to make this happen. Yeah. And that's why having um, a, a DP or cinematographer that, lives in such a creative world as well because people I think people often um they don't realize how creative the the direct the um DP and the um cinematographer are Mm -hmm. like how much their their brain revolves in this place because they think of it being more of a technical thing because it's like oh I have this that I do here and this is here and blah 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 like I move I move this shot here and fade away here you know what I mean like there's so many like technical technicalities to it I think the creative part of it gets overlooked but well, right. you, you watch the story and most people unless you're in like unless you're a director or a cinematographer you're very aware of sh- how people shoot and where they're mm-hmm. shooting from but you don't even realize that 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 moves the story along where that camera is placed and right. it's being oh, more yeah. specific and having that point of view and having a director that has that point of view I think really makes or breaks the project as well. Yeah, we had a we had a good time. Like I had really specific ideas of what I wanted, and he 
added to it in such a way that the whole thing just sort of came to life and we were talking about lenses like forever he would send me text messages with like photos of himself like in, in different, different lenses because i was like is her face gonna distort <laughs> oh bless you, oh, bless you. <laughs> um some of these shots where it was like a single take mm-hmm. where she's moving around the space and we're on like the, the jib arm or whatever like i wanted her to walk into her close-up and i was like is she gonna if we're shooting at a with a 16 like is she gonna walk into her close-up and her face is gonna get all weird because like, right you know yeah. that because if it doesn't that's the wrong lens and you know, he sent me a text message in the middle of the night with a photo of him like, in a 16 <laughs> in a wide shot. He was like, it's going to be fine. Yeah. I think it was a 16. I forget what it was. It might have been a 25, 24. But anyway. It doesn't. We I won't know the difference if you tell me. I'm glad you do that. <laughs> well, someone's so going to write in and be like, of course her face is going to distort in a 16. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, oh, my brain, it totally went away. Mm-hmm. Um, so how... What is your connection with dance? Because I've noticed a lot of your projects have a lot of um, dance and rhythmic elements to it. Um, were you a dancer at any point or have you spent a lot of time um, around dancers? I do. I Well, I have, have problems calling myself a dancer because I started when I was 18. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've been an advanced beginner level for 10 years. Like I don't get much better and if I make it to a dance class it's always like a miracle like I just like give a prayer of thanks that I got there because (laughs) the life of a filmmaker is so busy um but yeah I still dance now I take ballet and dance classes are like an hour and a half so it's like a three-hour ordeal exactly yeah yeah Yeah, it's like your whole evening yeah and you know as a filmmaker we're going to a lot of film events and we're meeting a lot of people or we're working really really late and so in order to go to a dance class you have to just stop all of that stuff and be like no I'm doing this now Mm -hmm. so every time I make it I'm just like yeah (laughs) um so and I've sort of stopped taking a lot of the like modern and contemporary dance classes I just I get nervous about getting injured because I go so infrequently that I feel like with the ballet like doing the technique it's a little bit safer but I used to take all all the kinds all all (laughs) the kinds of dance all of those kinds how did you like at 18 how did you fall into dance then um I guess I always really loved it I would dance around my basement as a kid um I had like one you know time I took ballet when I was 12 but that's the wrong age to start ballet yeah. like you have hips suddenly and you're like oh I hate my body and then <laughs> <laughs> and like everyone else has been doing it since they were six like it's just not a good time so that lasted like a couple months and then um and then when I got to Vassar like they have a wonderful dance program and it was just they gave me all this freedom to just take all these classes and you could be a beginner as an 18 year old or, you know, so by my senior year, I was doing 10 hours of dance a week and just dancing as much as I possibly could. My study abroad in Sydney, like I danced there and like I did these programs where we're like doing it eight hours a day, you know, I'd like do this like weekend dance camp things. (laughs) Um, So it's just something that I love that I always try to work into my work and I end up I'm starting to get known for that a little bit. So we did some dance videos for Lincoln Center and did like oh, great. videos yeah, for I Paul Taylor Dance Company and mm. American Ballet Theater and New York City Ballet and stuff and hoping to do more. And yeah, yeah it just, things just always end up having movement. Like I just directed this um, video for Condé Nast and it ended up, we just like had her dance as part of it. <laughs> like, it's, just great. it's what comes naturally. So Well, I feel like right now too, um, 
dance on film is kind of making a presence. Yeah, it seems I've to be. I've seen more and more choreographers and more and more people. And not just like, it, it used to be like just putting your piece on film, at, right. like a theater piece, but now it's like actually using using camera technique to create a story, to and, to a story. Sh- and to show the choreography, yeah. Yeah, and I've been like, this has been my soapbox forever. Like, I feel like you put a dance in a theater and it's and it's fine, but the audience is so small mm-hmm. and you're not reaching people that don't even know about dance, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, it's a very concentrated community, right. yeah. Um, so you get it on film, you're getting it, you're like liberating it from the confines of the theater and you're giving it on audience. And if you're shooting it not in a theater and you're shooting it using storytelling techniques of the camera, then you're you're creating a new art form that A, like preserves the dance, B, sends the dance out into the world, and C is just something just, just like beautiful and gives you that sort of visceral experience of watching it live, mm-hmm. which you're not gonna get if you put a, a camera in yeah. the back of the theater. So I've been like, trying to get anyone to do dance films that I can get. And <laughs> unfortunately, dance companies have no money. <laughs> no, they don't. And they all want them. dance films. Yeah. And I'm so happy to do them for them. But, but you also they, need to I can't. eat. Yeah. And- Eating and paying rent are <laughs> yeah. an unfortunate part of life. Don't That's you, true. so many times you wish you could return to your child self that doesn't have to worry about those I things. I know, it's true. It's so true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wondered too that it, Maybe it's taken a little while. I feel like the choreographers I've interacted with, I've danced professionally and danced through college and stuff. Um, People are very precious with their choreography. Mm -hmm. And something that I've always believed in, I'm like, nobody's original. Everyone's taking stuff. Like, if you know your dance history, you're taking stuff from people that came before you. And even if you don't even realize it, you might be putting a different twist on it and making it innovative, but you're getting your stuff from people before you. But I do find that, um, like, I I remember in college, like, we were not allowed to post any videos online because of um, copyrights and choreography. Yeah. And there's, and I'll, um, I judge dance competitions too. And there's a lot of people, unfortunately and sadly, that will steal choreography. Mm. And in that setting, it's like trying to win a trophy, which I don't always, it's not the most artistic thing, but... I don't know. There's just a lot of, I don't know if you've come across that with choreographers. I have with the choreographers that yeah. I have spoken to about this because a lot of them it's just getting their work out there. And I think also, um, I mean, it depends on the kind of dance, mm-hmm. but, um, oh crap, I just lost my train of thought. Um, the type of dance. Yeah. It, I mean, it depends on the type of dance. So if it's like, you know, modern or contemporary, a lot of these dance companies like you know, like um, Camille Brown, for example. Like someone could steal her choreography, but it's not going to look not like gonna Camille look Brown. Like, Camille like Brown, her, yeah. like she builds a whole world. Or like mm-hmm. Jacqueline Buglisi, like these companies, like you can't really steal from them. Like you could try, but it would just be... Um, you doing it? Yeah, it would be, you know, the way that all art feeds on other art. And yeah. we're all trying to build upon what happened before. Exactly. So I don't think there's that... You know, a lot of those companies have problems and they would love to do videos. It's just They're also a, younger right. generation, too. Yeah. You know, the older generation in dance, too, is a little, right. I think, thinks a little differently about it. Yeah, and our culture has just changed. Yeah. Like, it used to be, like, so private. And now it's like you're seeing pictures of fetuses on the <laughs> internet. You know, like, oh, 
<laughs> the inside of your uterus <laughs> you know like when did that become okay yeah <laughs> but it is it's kind of like, true you know that's like I the know. most private part of somebody's body and everyone's like look, look this. <laughs> you're like this inside is of inside of me yeah. this isn't even like oh my gosh that's a really right? I didn't even wonderful think about that. <laughs> like that is yes. so funny this is my baby motel yeah. have, have, have a look at it <laughs> It has a human in it. <laughs> Look at them grow. Right. I didn't think about that, but that is a really super valid point. <laughs> it, I think it's a line too, as an artist and as an actor, it's like, how much do I put out there and how much do I like protect right. myself? And, right. Um, I don't know. It's it's really interesting. Even too, like the, having a following these days has become a thing even for people to get a role, it's like how big is their following on yeah. Twitter? How big, it, you know? And it's like, well, to have a following, you do have to put a lot of your personal, super right. personal. Yeah, the things that people gravitate toward and really hold on to are like the most personal right. of things. And I honestly, some of that, I don't want to share. Right, I don't want to share that with other people. Yeah, like I'm having a really, I'm having a really shitty day. I don't want to. I'd rather just like. Get through it on my own. I don't right. need There's a like lot a, of other I don't want to write a Facebook <laughs> rant no, about it. <laughs> no, not so much. Unless it's something that has happened repeatedly that I feel like needs to be shared and I can like yeah. somehow connect it to something else. But yeah, it's just not my thing. Right. I, and then it's hard because if you only share the good stuff, then you're just making everyone feel. Then there's just like there's that other bragosphere, you yeah. know, where everyone's like, oh, let's this is my life is amazing and I'm not going to show you how much work went into it, you know? So I try to be careful with my posts. Like if I get into a festival, I'm like, we got rejected from a lot of festivals. <laughs> like, I love that And though. here are the ones yeah. we got into, you know? So I try to like show that it's hard. Hard, in yeah. In addition to just like, oh, look at the success. Yeah, why is that? Why does everyone want to be like, oh, it's so easy for me? It's not, it's it's not, not fucking yeah. easy. No, it's not <laughs> easy. And that's the thing too, is you're right. It's also to the, the, um, caliber of what what does success mean too right do you, you know right. what I'm saying like like especially as an artist like there's so much of the mainstream world that like success is having this like big feature film or having all of these people who know who you are and all of that like but it's so materialistic it's not based in anything tangible or real it's it's in this like whole other well those are moments too you'll have moment like everything is changing you have a film that does well it does well but then you're on to the next project exactly. and it could take so so you can't you can't just be in this business for like success by the worldly right. standards mm, because right. those moments are so fleeting and so hard to and it turns achieve. out that a lot of that stuff is not where you feel the greatest like for me like you know when we when we ha you know we won for my short film we won best cinematography at at Rhode Island um, International Film Festival and that was like a really exciting moment but the best moment was like watching Giacomo put that jib arm on the dolly like that right. was made me so much happier than like our screening you know mm -hmm. so for me it's it's often I get more out of the process than I do out of the presentation at yeah, the end. Yeah, but I think it's also redefining what success means too. Like it, those moments are when you're successful to me and not yeah. the moments when you're, you know, your bank account is completely like <laughs> flooded with money, even though, I mean, that's great things, but like, do you know what I mean? I think right. it's, there's, there's so much more to just this, this materialistic idea of success as opposed to what real success is and it's being happy. 
Right. And I actually heard this amazing quote from Amy Schumer in an oh, interview. I fucking love Amy Schumer. And she Schumer. says that, like, she's the same amount of happy now as she was when she was waiting tables. Like, she wasn't unhappy then, but she's the same amount of happy. <laughs> like, like yeah. now with all of her. Yeah. yeah that makes, like, that makes happiness. sense. And I, like, it's so, like, the things that make you happy are just the basic things, like friends and family and relationships and all that sort of thing and, like, picnics and watching <laughs> making something beautiful and all the other stuff is just sort of superfluous so it's good to sort of remember that in this like slog to success to whatever that means you know right exactly yeah I and, love well that. and knowing and knowing I think I think you're right Leslie like making maybe taking that time that reflection for yourself you know, like, what does success mean to me? Like, what feels successful to me? Like, it feels right. successful to be working on my work every day, or it feels right. successful, you know, whatever that is. Whatever, whatever that, is. that is for you. That's, yeah, I just yeah. think, like, we all get, we all get, like, pressured. I feel like, too, as an as an artist and creative person, you come from a family of creatives, so it's probably a little bit different for you, but when you have to go back and see your family and, like, oh, so what are you doing? You know, are you on Broadway? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, yeah. I'm not on Broadway. Are you on TV? Thanks for, yeah. What, oh, what, what TV what show can I watch? Well, yeah, when, what have what I seen you? Like, and how many people you meet? And you try and you yeah. try not to get mad about it because it's not their fault. They don't know. And, it, you know, but there's that That's like. true. Yeah. This idea that they hold like, man, she's been doing that for a long time. And she's still not, you know, at this place where me yeah. and society think that they should be. People right. think you're either like. Like so successful, a list movie star, or just poor and right, and they don't not realize booking anything. And there's this whole middle universe in the mm-hmm. middle where you can be a working director and live. You know, like my work is split between directing and editing, and I like enjoy my life. Um, so yeah, there's a lot about that. That's true, but yeah, my parents have been awesome. Actually, my brother too. They're all like super. I'm like so happy of them for them or grateful for them because mm-hmm. they they haven't really done that they've been yeah well nice. for me it's not my immediate family my immediate family is pretty pretty kick-ass it's just yeah. like when you get further along and it's not even just my family it's like people who friends of family and then people mm-hmm. you they just don't they don't they just don't understand and it's not their fault you don't get upset they just at want them. something quantifiable and it's they hard do. to give them that yeah yeah and it is really hard to get them. Yeah. <laughs> Especially since most of the things I do always have cursing in them and there's only so many people that want to see them. I'm like, look, it's just me, okay? I don't know what you want. <laughs> um, so you have your film coming up in two film festivals. Mm-hmm. Yes, tell um, us. Yeah, tell details. us all about that. Um, yeah, so my short is called Behind the Wall. It's a magical realism story about a young injured dancer who... She hears these crazy sounds at night through the wall of her new apartment. Um, and so she follows the sounds through until she finds like a crack in the wall and peers through the crack in the wall and sees all this crazy stuff on the other side. Um, there's a lot of dancing in it. And the protagonist has no dialogue. I wanted to try something where mm. our heroine doesn't speak. And that's sort of partially just because I always want to try to push the envelope with film and see what else we can do. And I was inspired by, you know, the Sylvan Chaumet films. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, the Triplets of Belleville and The Illusionist. And just wanted to try something like that for myself. And also because in ballet, there's no dialogue. No talking. That's <laughs> what I loved about it. I was like, because I was like, oh, she hasn't said anything. Oh, she's not talking. I was like, 
this is genius. <laughs> this is genius because you, I mean, I grew up in the ballet world and you don't get to use your voice. You yeah. don't get to talk in class. And I, like transitioning to an actor, that's been something I've had to work on is finding my voice and right. what that means because I didn't use it for, you know, 18 years, you know? It was, yeah. I was just moving. So. Just moving. You're just using your body. And that's true. When I go to my dance classes, I'm like – silent it's just like an hour it's like a meditative it's like an hour and a half all i do is laugh <laughs> because you know you have to when you're learning how to dance Otherwise, yes, you do. like if you're spinning the wrong way or falling over then like it's really important to have a sense of humor about it oh yeah very but, true um, that's very true but yeah so the film has been on the festival circuit so we played in um, rhode island at the rhode island international film festival we played at where we won best cinematography and then we played at the hamptons international film festival and the shanks sanctuary film festival in australia and now we've got two festivals coming up the art of brooklyn film festival which is a great festival that um is all about films about Brooklyn and my film is a very strong sense of place. So it's like a wonderful fit. And, um, and then the other felt festival is, um, the lighthouse international film festival, which is in long beach Island, which is like a great festival that like really supports filmmakers and it's a great filmmaker scene. So I'm like super excited for both of these. Right. Where is long beach Island? It's, um, it's in New Jersey. Okay. It's yeah. It's off the coast. It's like, I think South of Asbury park. Okay. Yeah. So these would be two really great festivals for people that are listening to go yeah, network yeah. at and <laughs> go see yeah. to film. Um, the other thing I loved about it, because I did injure myself too. Oh, yeah. And her kind of being alone in that apartment, mm-hmm. I felt very alone too because my identity had been taken away from me. Right. I couldn't do what I had been doing 10 hours a day. And so this is your story too. It is my story. I like yeah. watched. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> I had that same boot on. Oh for, my god. Um. Yeah. For oh god, it took me nine months to get back. Yeah. Um, not so. Not, yeah. Not yeah. It wasn't right. so fun. But yeah. it, also too, it wasn't my friend's fault. But they were continuing to dance, and it right. was this weird kind of like transition of our relationships too, mm-hmm. because that's what we did together. That's what we talked about. You know. Um, so I really loved the beautiful pictures you created of her oh, cool. kind of being, of feeling a little isolated. It's yeah. very isolating and injury. Yeah, I sort of um, thought about the idea of what happens. Like I used to joke around that um, if I encountered a portal to a magic another universe, I wouldn't see it <laughs> because I would be too busy <laughs> to stop in <anymore. laughs> and, um, and then so it just sort of, I wanted to envision like a scenario where someone who is like, go, go, go in one direction, like has to just stop. And she's now in this like limbo in this place between her old identity and her new identity. And she's moving so slow that she has a chance to look around and see the magic portal. So that's sort of one of the things that was interesting to me. About that's it. awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. That. That's one of the reasons that I think kids are simultaneously so wonderful and so frustrating Yeah, um, is because Everything captures them. Mm-hmm. There's magic portals everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. And I worry that I won't be able to see them. You know, like I feel like as an artist, like sometimes you can catch a glimpse, like you can almost see like there's something, you know, and um, but you get so, you know, busy with New York and life and working and. Well, you get protective, too, because we've talked about this as well. You get exhausted if you let everything in. Yeah. Um, It's like sensory overload in the city. So you start putting on your 
your shield, so to, so to say. But then you see someone interesting on the subway and you kind of like look at them and observe them. And, you know, that could even be a magic portal in totally. a way. Totally. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think the best writers are the ones that have the time to just sit and talk to people. Like my boyfriend is like that. Like he has, I mean, he's really busy now, but he still would have some time to like sit and talk to our next door neighbor and hear his stories and just... Mm-hmm you know, that's how you're going to meet your next characters and, and be able to write more accurately. And um, if we're all just like, go, 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 and we're only in our world with only filmmakers, then our worlds, our films are going to be kind of flat, you know? Yeah. So that was also another thing that's sort of interesting with this story is like, let's tell a story, but someone that like is removed from her universe has to stop mm. and then look around and then she finds some magic that sort of helps her come back to life a little bit. That's very That's cool. amazing. Um, one thing interesting you just said, like if we're only interacting with filmmakers, work will be flat. One thing I've noticed too, and it's more, I guess I, the conversation I had was more film or TV, not film, but mm-hmm. how everything takes place in New York or LA because yeah. that's what a lot of writers' experiences are, New York and LA, right. and how there's this kind of lack of stories in the middle of our country sometimes. Mm, so I true. Yeah. It's really interesting. Because we only can write what we know. And mm-hmm. in order to survive, we have to be around each other, like financially and in our careers and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to spend my time with a lot less filmmakers and I felt like my experiences were more well-rounded and I was getting inspiration from, you know, scientists and teachers and all these other people that are doing other cool things. And now I'm, as I'm moving forward in my career, I know a lot more filmmakers. I'm in the filmmaking scene as I need to be in order to succeed, but I'm feeling the other doors sort of closing and the mm-hmm. other world sort of getting smaller and my world getting very small. And that's fine as a director, but as a writer, that's not a good thing. So it's sort of trying to figure out the balance of how to, you know, how to just make sure your world is open. And then as a writer, make sure to do the research and meet the types of people that you're making your film. About. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how so how have you felt as a uh, writer and director um, being a female in a world full of males? <laughs> um, I didn't notice it that much because I, you know, I have three brothers and mm. used to joke like three PCs in a Mac <laughs> in our house because they all used to be PC guys, but now they're and they're all like computer people. And so I never really felt like a lot a lot of my compatriots like my other female filmmaker friends like would have a lot of trouble like they would feel like oh men are like speaking down to them or that sort of thing and I never really had that experience I just sort of I would just I like you know then the mansplaining or like a man interrupting the people mm. complaining about like I man interrupt every day <laughs> I'm like a notorious man interrupter <laughs> um, but that said like I do feel like there are some you know things that are slower in my career as a as a woman like I I think that there are a couple experiences that I had where I was like angling for a job and didn't get it and watching my male you know filmmaker friends sort of move ahead faster than me and also discovering that most of my clients end up being women um, as a directing in my directing for hire work so I think there is something some kind of gender bias under the surface that is still even affecting me in my life in that way um, but the magical thing is all these, I belong to all these different filmmaker collectives of women. So the filmmakers and film fatals and my rep is reps only female directors, film forward. So 
being involved in this community of female filmmakers has been incredibly rewarding and they're helping me and I'm helping them and we're all kind of lifting ourselves together and I feel like for the first time that we have a shot <laughs> so yeah. which is just so exciting it is exciting so, the discussion is actually starting to happen and it's it's I think what I've heard from a lot of people it's just the lack of of being given that opportunity right and it's not that like those those female filmmakers and writers and and people all behind the scenes don't exist. They're just they're having to push a little harder to get there, right? Because everybody gives money to someone that reminds them of themselves. So if the people that are giving money are mostly men, then they're only helping the other men because they remind them of, of themselves. themselves. Yeah, and um and that's just how it is. We connect with someone that we connect with. Like you can't change that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but the problem is our industry is so based on networks and people that you know and your relationships more than the work. Um, yes, that people are only getting opportunities from the people that they have relationships with. And it's often men and men often like feel more comfortable because it's not sexual with other men, you know, if they're both straight or whatever. Um, so somehow we need to address this and be like, look, you can't just <laughs> give money to someone you like. There needs to be more to it than that. And you need to sort of look around and make sure that there isn't gender bias in your decision. Um, and I think finally some of this is coming out as we as the stats come out and you see, you know, these abysmal stats, like 4% of all Hollywood films are directed by women of oh. the big budget films. 4%. 4%. We make up 52% of the population. I think now I know there's less female directors than men, but I think maybe 40% of all female of all directors are female and 4% are directing Hollywood films. Right. Yeah. So they're and not the ones who are being given the opportunities. Right. Yeah. And that's a big problem because I want to direct feature films and they're not going to be, all of them are going to be cheap budgets, you know, like I right. want to do things that are supported. So, and I've had colleagues that haven't gotten money for their films because they were women because the investors didn't quite trust them. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, yeah, like this is God. this is a Are real problem. Me? So I'm only just well, beginning that phase. Then I'm like, the conversation is, why is there this lack of trust with women? You know, like what? It's just, what is it's just giving money to someone you know. I don't mm -hmm. think it's like super complicated. I just think you, if you you give to what you see. Yeah. Have do you guys watch Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? No. No. Oh, it's Leslie, it'd be your show. It would be your show. Well, there, there is a scene in that in that very quirky, funny show about um, Jacqueline as one of the main characters. She's like trying to raise money for she's like Native American and she's trying to raise money to like help her people, so to say. Mm -hmm. And all these she gets all these rich white, white guys in the room uh, through their mistresses <laughs> and they don't want to donate. And it's kind of funny. There's this little like scene of them being like, I give two prostate cancer funds and I give to my kids schools right. and I give to like all these random charities that are out there but they're all things that could directly affect them, them. right Ooh. and and the it, thing is once the women once enough of us get to be successful then we will be investors yes <laughs> and exactly. we will invest in things that are in theory like us though hopefully we have learned the lesson and we won't just invest in fil films by white women for example right yes. exactly we, you know open things up for more diversity like i feel like you can't talk about women in film without also talking about diversity in film because yes. that's a gigantic it's the problem. same it's the same problem yeah all, all the way around um every single 
angle. It's, so, yeah. It's yeah. So what's but, exciting but about But the thing is, we shouldn't, sorry, as women, we shouldn't get lumped, lumped into that because we make up 50% of the population. Like, right. I totally agree. Diversity is a huge thing, but sometimes it gets lumped into like, oh, we're providing these outreach or these grants, but it's it's diversity and women together. And it's like, we still are making up half of the population. So right. if we stand together and we help each other instead of, and lift each other up and support and become this community, then, and we think about it in those terms instead of like each man for himself, quote, quote, um, <laughs> yeah. um, woman for themselves, um, it's that's how we make the difference. Yeah, and I'm mm-hmm. seeing it happen with film fatales and the filmmakers, these groups that I belong to. We meet once a month and talk about um, different topics in the industry, and it's usually informal in someone's house. And um, you make real real friendships through these groups, yes. and we're all helping each other. And I just feel like so full of hope that yeah. you know we're all going to succeed and, and help bring each other up, up. with Good. Really yeah. great. That's really, really great. That's I was awesome. going to say something, but I forgot. <laughs> I know. We're, we're all interrupting. We release this week, so we're like. Yeah. <laughs> well, most people interrupt. I think if that's what's so interesting when you shoot interviews, I find, um, because, I mean, not in this context, because it's yeah. a conversation, right. but in, as directing interviews, when I ask someone a question, they're used to being interrupted before they finish. So the end of the answer tends to taper off. So true. And just like, oh, it's very, very true. Because they don't know how to end how it. How to end it. Yeah. Because they're used to being interrupted. Yeah. There's like this this conversation that happens with body language where you know it's like your turn to talk. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you like get all worked up. Like, yeah. I'm going like, to like, say something. Like, but it's yeah. like cranking. You're yeah. like cranking yourself up. Totally. Yeah. My family, yeah. We, we always joke. We never get, like me and my mom and my brother in particular, we never fully get I think whatever we're trying to say out because oh, totally. the, it's like interrupt 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 yeah. interrupt it's like one of us yeah we're we're terrible yeah my Love family's you guys. the same way <laughs> we're all Israeli we're very talkative and loud <laughs> is that so. is that a, I didn't know that that was a a thing is that I think the Israeli thing yeah it's like a just sort of I don't know how to describe it yeah <laughs> you're like you're like we're, we talk a lot. We, we talk. Like, we, we like, like to talk. Yeah. So how long have you been in the States? Um, most of my life. Yeah. I moved here when I was three. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. So I'm more American at this point than Israeli. But my dad my dad was born in Tunisia. He's an amazing story. One day to oh, talk to him. Tunisia. But yeah. yeah. He was born in Tunisia in Tatooine, which is a tiny little village where they shot Star Return of the Jedi. Oh. Um, oh. With like no electricity and kerosene lamps and he was like making shadow puppet movies like as a child and then moved to israel as a refugee like not almost immediately after the country was formed and grew up there and then met my mom and then when me and my brother were born we came she's american so we eventually came back to the states to massachusetts where we were brought up with her family with wow very cool that's amazing yeah he's done so many he like invented I could tell you so many stories. He invented like subtitles, <laughs> like the standard way of doing subtitles before digital with laser cut, um, but couldn't sell it. And then somebody ended up taking that. The, he had the patent on it. But they still, uh, yeah, were able to. And like uh, the the precur like the precursor to Dolby Digital, same deal. Like he couldn't sell it because he's like an immigrant, and uh, somebody else took it and like made millions of dollars. <laughs> Oh my god. So yeah, there's like crazy stories with him. I could talk about him for like two hours. That's amazing though that you have such a 
such an inspiration in your life that you can look toward for like those days when you're like, man, this indie filmmaking yeah. is kicking my <laughs> ass. And you're like, you know what? My dad experienced all of these things. I think I'm okay. You know, it's a good like it check. Makes it, yeah, it makes it easier to have less of a desire for like a normal life. Though my mm. mother had a desire for a very normal life, like a nine to five job. So I have a little bit of that. That like, du- duality. Yeah, yeah. which is, Honey, there's a part all? of me that, yeah, right? Wouldn't you want to just come home at five and like. Not think about your work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yes and no. It's that <laughs> yes. thing of like, you try to, you try to commit yourself. You're like, okay, could I do this? And then the times you've tried to do it, you're like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Yeah. No, I can't do yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while, my brain's like, maybe I'll just stop doing this and I'll get a nine to five job and then I'll have so much free time to make movies. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, it just no. goes back there. Yeah. 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 It's hashtag side hustle, right? Isn't that yeah. what we learned? Yeah. yeah. Trigonus. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> side hustle. <laughs> so many people exist that way. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Much yeah. for talking about your dancing when we get home. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very yes. excited. I'm going to direct my first film this summer and oh, there's so cool. dance involved in it so looking forward to that where can people find you on social media Um, yeah so my my film is called behind the wall that's the short and um the my i guess the easiest place to find it is on my production company website which is adventure pants is the name of the company love it so the website is adventurepants.tv like television cool and if you just click on like featured projects you'll see that and some of the other projects that i'm also working on my business partner wonderful right. what about are you on twitter or anything i like am that? my twitter is my whole name which is hard to say but it's batshevaguez b-a-t-s-h-e-v-a-g-u-e-z which you know maybe we'll put it in the text below <laughs> <laughs> we will we yeah. will we will we'll make sure that they have um, the connections yeah. for you do the company Batsheva, have you seen them for fun? I love them. I love They're them like too. one of my favorites, which yeah. is just awesome because if I didn't love them, it would be sad. But I love them yes. so much. They're, yeah. they're one of my favorites too. I meant yeah. to ask you that earlier. Yeah. Their name is their name. I know. Exactly. It's like somehow that's how the dance came through, I guess. But it's awesome. Yeah. Goodness. Thank you so, yes, so thank much. You so Go much. see her film. Check out those. Remind us of the film festivals again one oh, more time. Oh, the Lighthouse International Film Festival and the Art of Brooklyn Film Festival, International Film Festival. The Art of Brooklyn, we're screening Friday, June 10th at 9 p.m. And Lighthouse, we're screening on Saturday, June 11th at 1.15 Ooh. And if you go to our Facebook page, all that information is there as well. What's the so, Facebook page? I think it's Behind the Wall Movie. Cool. Perfect. Well, let's make sure that's that awesome. Yeah. All and right. If, and if we need to, you know, modify things, we can. We'll make sure that it's, you know, right awesome. under there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the description so that people aren't like, where do I go? Yeah. How do I spell that? Yeah. Where are those awesome? I don't know yeah. why people talk like that, but they do. Anyway. They do. <laughs> in our minds. In our minds. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.